did ask you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be sharing verses 1 through 12 with you. The title of the message is, How Can, I be, how can We Be Like God? And if you're physically able, out of reverence to God's Word, if you'd stand, please. It's the Apostle Paul writing to the church and talking to the church at Ephesus some 2,000 years ago, but also talking to the, the church at Victory here in Stafford today. And he writes, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as, fitting, as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornication, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of the Lord, I'm sorry, in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with darkness. Have no fellowship, I'm sorry, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is, even, it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing and the doing of his word. Let's, yeah, you may be seated. How can we be like God? We're, we're called as Christians. We're told that if anyone be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. We're expected to walk a different way, talk a different way, act a different way, think a different way. We're expected to be light in a dark world. We're expected to be light in darkness. We're expected to be emissaries, ambassadors, imitators, however you want to call it, of God in Jesus Christ. Well, well, how do we do that? And we, we see a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, how we can do that through this passage. Four things I want to talk about this morning. First of all, to be like God, we cannot be deceived by the darkness. We can't fellowship with the darkness. We can't walk in the darkness. And then finally, to be like God, we must love and we must walk in light. First of all, we can't be deceived by the darkness. We read about that in verses 6 through 10. In verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. See, what was going on in Paul's time is, is you had the Judaizers, and these were Jewish people that supposedly came to knowledge of Jesus Christ, and, and they were telling the church at Ephesus and anybody that would listen, yes, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, He's the Son of God, He's the Messiah, and we come to, we, we, we come to faith in God by belief in Him, but you've got to remember that Jesus was a Jew. And so because Jesus was a Jew, it's not, also, it's not only about faith, but it's also about following the Jewish law, the Jewish rules, which, folks, was a lie. But there are also a group of folks that were spreading other falsehoods. They were known as the Gnostics. And among other things, they believed that, number some of them believed that Jesus Christ was a spirit, that he never walked this earth, that, that he was like a ghost, that, and everybody saw him. Uh, number two, they believed uh, that our spirit and our bodies were different that our physical body was not capable of living without sin. And so to emphasize that, they said, since your body and your spirit are, are, are different, engage bodily in all the sin that you want to. 
Because it's not your body that goes to heaven, but it's your spirit. But then again, you, know, you need to remember that as you're doing these things, as you're committing these sins, it's going to make the grace of God look so much more better. It's going to show how, grace, how gracious the God of heaven is because he's forgiving you of all these sins that you're continually committing. And folks, again, that's a lie. Again, straight out of the pit of hell. Again, Jesus, the Bible, the living word, Jesus Christ gave us the written word according to John chapter 1. If anyone be in Christ, again, he's, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. And you know what? Just as there were deceivers back in Paul's day, there are deceivers today. There are a lot of folks out there that, that are preaching a false gospel. And you hear me say this just about every Sunday. But folks, it's becoming more and more apparent and it's becoming more and more important that those of us that believe the Word of God means exactly what it says, that we stand up and we preach it and we testify about it and we share it with, with, with anybody we can because there's folks today preaching a false gospel. I, I saw in, the, in the, the paper the other day, well, Somebody sent me a, a, an email, and there was an article about this lady pastor, and I put that in quotation marks because there's no, there's no room, there's no justification, there, there's no sanctioning female pastors in the Scriptures. I'm not being a mean, chauvinistic pig. I'm just stating what the Bible says. But there's this quote-unquote lady pastor who supposedly people are flocking to her because she's down, quote-unquote, down and dirty with the gospel. She doesn't hesitate to use profanity. She, she does this. She does that. And, and, and a lot of the things she talked about in the article, I agree with. But she's going about it the wrong way. We're not called to be like the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of it. But a lot of folks are, men. they're just praising her as the greatest thing since sliced bread because she talks just like we talk. She cusses like a sailor. You know, she doesn't hesitate to throw profanity in her, in her messages. You know, that shocked me. That, that, that's deception. But to me, what was worse than that, you know, sometimes when you get these articles on the Internet, even if they're from newspapers, at the bottom you'll see something, click on these, you know, articles that are like it. And there was a, another lady that wrote a commentary for the Washington Post last week, and the title of her article was, I think it was Seven... Seven Christian themes that are scarier than Halloween. One of them was women in submission. Well, number one, the Bible doesn't say women are, sub are to be in submission. It says wives be in submission to your husbands. But folks, they take that out of context. What, what submission in the Bible means is that two co-equal people for the sake of order and for the sake of God's pattern, one voluntarily, one says, I'm just as good as you are. I'm just as worthy as you are. As a matter of fact, if you like Pastor John, uh, you know, I'm probably smarter than you are, but for the sake of unity, for the sake of order, for the sake of God's word, I'm voluntarily taking a step back and placing myself in submission to my husband. Okay? Got a, I got a whole other message I could preach on that uh, where, where everything points to Tammy being the smart one, you know. Uh, and other, well, I'm in technology again today. I'm trying to use this little pad thing here, and it keeps going out on me. Uh, another thing this lady touched on was, as a bad theme, was the fact that, that we as biblical, as Bible-believing Christians believe in a real place called hell. 
She says that hell is, a scarier, is, is scarier than Halloween because she doesn't believe in hell. Because after all, God's a God of love. And if God's a God of love, why would he send anybody to hell? Well, number one, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose to go to hell by our, on our own by rejecting the offer that Jesus Christ has made for forgiveness and for salvation. The third thing she had was, uh, uh, that was scary was, was the, 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 the teaching of biblical creationism as, as opposed to uh, evolution. And she talks about the fact, well, it's, it's a proven fact. Uh, well, it, it, it's proven that evolution has been proven. No, it hasn't. That's why they still call it the theory of evolution. They teach it as a, as a, as a proven fact. But if you read the books, they still list it as the theory of evolution. There has not been any missing link found. And you know what? I, I believe in a God that is so great. I was sharing this with Brother Victor the other day, and I think I've shared with you guys before. When I went to Israel years ago, one of the places we stopped was at Canaan. That's where Jesus did his first miracle at the wedding. And the fellow that was, that was given the, 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 doing the devotional preaching that day, he said, you know what? I've got no problem with scientists saying that the, that the earth is billions and billions of years old. He said, I don't believe it, but I don't have a problem with them saying it. And this is why. And he, he used the wedding at Cana as an example. Because in that story, traditionally what happened was, was at a wedding party, they would give the good wine first. And after folks had had a little bit of it and they got a good taste of it and maybe got a little tipsy or whatever, they'd start bringing the, the, the lesser quality. Instead of bringing it in the bottles, they're bringing it in the bags now. Okay? But what Larry said when he, when he was doing the devotional, I don't have a problem with them saying that the earth is billions of years old because I see here at the wedding of Cana that Jesus created wine out of grapes that were, that were out of grapes that never existed fermented in time that never was. In other words, Jesus made that wine to look and to taste like it was the old stuff. The longer it's, it's fermented or aged or whatever you call it, supposedly the better it is. And, and Brother Larry said, you know what? God can make this, from what I see, God has made this earth to look like it's billions of years old. I don't have a problem with that. Because he said, you know what? God could make this earth look like it was created yesterday when scientists look at it. And there's nothing we can do about it. God did what he want, what, did it the way he wanted to do it, regardless of what scientists say. But it's all, it, it all gives the appearance that it gives because that's the way God wants it to look. So we've got that, 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 the lady had that deception going on. She had several other things that I don't remember right now. But, but we need to see that we've got folks preaching stuff like that. Easy believism. Name it, claim it, Christianity. No repentance. In other words, you don't have to change anything to come to Jesus. You just ask him into your life and you keep living your life the way you've always lived it. There are those that preach that we're all going to heaven. There are those that preach that, that there's no such thing as sin. I probably just said that. But we've got to go back to to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, where we read, For a time, the time will come when they will, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Why do people listen to these fables? Because they want to believe in a God that they can create in their own image, 
so that that way they can continue to live the lives they want to live and, and think they're going to get into heaven. And folks, these people that are teaching these false doctrines, they're going to have to give an account for themselves one of these days for leading people astray. If you have a, a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or somebody that claims they're a Christian and they try to tell you that there's another way to God other than Jesus Christ, don't believe them. If they try to tell you that you don't have to repent of your sins, don't believe them. If they try to tell you that salvation, that a relationship is, with God is Jesus Christ plus something else, don't believe them. Because that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. So we, we, we can't listen to the darkness like this. We're called not to join in in verse 7. I like the fan, but it's blowing my pages around today. In verse 7, we're told not to join in. And as a matter of fact, in verse 3, it says that, that, that the sins that I named her earlier are, are not even to be named among us as Christians. And that where it does go on, where these things are going on, we're not to be partakers. In other words, we're not supposed to just jump in the mess with them. It's not a matter of when in Rome, do as the Romans do. We're, we're called to be light in a dark world. We're called to be apart from that. So Paul's telling us not to even be partakers of, in stuff like that, which leads me to the question, what is our life like outside of church? Notice I said we, because I'm talking about me too. What is our life like outside of the four walls of this church? Do we look at pictures we shouldn't be looking at? Do we go to websites and look at websites, men, we shouldn't be looking at? And I hate to say it, in my research lately, I hate to say this, but there are just as many ladies that go to pornographic websites today as there are men. What do we look at when we're not in church? Do we look at pictures we shouldn't? Go to websites we shouldn't? What's our attitude towards sinful things when we're outside of church? Do we go to that movie or do we rent that video knowing there's going to be things on there that we shouldn't see? I mean, going into it, we know it's not like we go to the movie or rent the DVD and all of a sudden it's, oops, I didn't know that was going to be there and we maybe cover our eyes or fast forward it. Do we do, get these things knowing what's going to be in there before we go? Do we watch TV shows that, that depict lifestyles that aren't honoring to God, but yet we watch it because, hey, this is funny? doesn't matter that it's a quote-unquote modern family and you got two guys living together, but man, that's, that's some funny stuff. We're not supposed to be partaking in stuff like this. I, I, I've never watched the whole show, but I've seen enough clips of, what is that cartoon, Family Guy? Where, where, where there's an old fella in there that's a pedophile, and they try to make it look like a joke all the time. I was flipping through the channels the other day, and I guess they did a, did a spoof on Star Wars. And, and the old man was... was, uh, was the emperor and, and this little boy, he was singing to him. And, and you know what he, what he was, by the song, you know what he was getting around to. But do we watch stuff like that? Because we're, we're not supposed to be. But hey, they're funny, you know, and we, and, and we justify it. Do we hang around the water fountain or the lunch table or you guys that are in high school or college, the locker room, when the gossip or, or when the dirty jokes are being told? Or do we even tell them ourselves or show, hey, look at what I saw on Facebook. This is funny. 
and we justify it by saying, well, it's just a little sinful. It's not that bad. Folks, sin is sin. If I were to make some brownies and offer them to you, first of all, you're, I'm assuming you've got the faith to believe that I can bake, okay? But I, if I made some brownies and I offered you one, you'd probably eat it, okay? But what if I gave you that same brownie and said, listen, when I made it, I added a teaspoon of cow manure in there, mixed it up and baked it and gave it to you, would you eat it? I mean, after all, other than Perry, <laughs> would you eat it? I mean, after all, it's just a little bit of cow manure. There's not a whole lot of it. I mean, there's not one of us in our right mind that would eat it. Why? Because there's manure in it. But what we call little, God sees as contaminating the whole thing. Whereas I may have put a teaspoon of manure in those brownies and it's just a little bit of manure. It doesn't, you know, it's not... It's not obvious you can see it in God's eyes. A little bit of sin contaminates the whole thing. Sin is sin regardless of the quantity, regardless of the quality. And we're told not to, not to partake in stuff like that. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Peter tells us, But as He, meaning God, who called you is holy, you also be holy in conduct because it is written... Be holy for I am holy. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah calls God a three times holy being. He said, you are holy, holy, holy. There's no sin in God and God cannot look in sin. Look on sin. And folks, we can't be holy with manure going into our minds and then coming out of our mouths. There's no way we can be holy the way God's called us to be holy. And if that's characteristic of our lifestyle, it doesn't matter what we say about God, how much we say we love Him, how much we say we're saved. If we're constantly engaged, if that's characteristic of our lifestyle, then, then we can't be imitators of God because we don't even know God. It doesn't matter how many times you've said the prayer, walked the aisle, and got baptized. If these things are characteristics of our lives, we're not saved, regardless of what somebody might tell you. Well, we can't, I believe that was listen to the darkness. Neither can we fellowship in, with the darkness. In verse 11, well, my page has really got blown away here. Verse 11 says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Instead of going along with it, we should be calling it what it is. And that word here in verse 11, fellowship, is different from the word fellowship we read about in the book of Acts. The word fellowship in the book of Acts comes from a Greek word that means, that, that, that means being in communion with, having things in common and, 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 and working together and loving each other and, and having everything in communion and commonality. But this word fellowship here in this passage comes from a Greek word that means participating in. And we see that all through here. We, you can read that and have no participation with the unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 7, don't be partakers with them. We, we see it constantly through here. We cannot even fellowship. We can't partake with the darkness. 
He tells us in verse 8 that we're to walk in the light. Now, science and experience tells us that when light is exposed to, a, to, to darkness, the darkness is automatically dispelled and there's light there. If you don't believe me, go into a dark room, turn the light on and tell me what happens. There's no area in that room that's exposed to the light that is in the darkness. But see, when we who are called to be light mess around with the things of darkness. In other words, when we get in there and, 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 and we roll our sleeves up and we rub elbows with and we waller in the sin of a lost and dying world, that light, it, it, the, the effect is just the opposite. That light gets doused out by the darkness that we're participating with and that we're engaging with. It's enveloped in such a way that people can't see Jesus in us. As a matter of fact, worse yet, many folks may mock our God, may mock the God we claim to love because they know who we claim to be. Yeah, I know I told that dirty joke, but man, Hodgin was right there laughing along with everybody else, and he says he's a Christian. Or Sister Susie Q, man, she wasn't just at the dinner at, at the, the lunch table with us at work, you know, gossiping, man. She was wallowing, and as a matter of fact, she was telling us a few things that I didn't even know about. And I'm not a Christian, but I know she ain't supposed to be doing that. What kind of God do they worship? And instead of the light dispelling the darkness, the darkness is consuming the light. And it not only consumes the light, it mocks the light, meaning it mocks God and it mocks Jesus Christ. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Folks, we become like the people we hang out with, for good or bad. I told my boys for years, you become like the people you hang out with. And you know what? They always, uh, they always told me they didn't believe it, but I know in their minds they're saying, Dad, you're full of cow manure. But you know what? They're getting to a point in their lives right now where they're starting to realize, oh, Dad wasn't as dumb as, as we thought he was. But we become like the people we hang around for good or for bad. That doesn't mean we're not out there. We're called to be out in, in the world, but we're called not to be of the world. We become like the people we hang out with for good or bad. And normally the sad part is, instead of us hanging around with folks that are not where we are, I don't want to say that, that aren't as good as us because it's not about being good or being bad or I'm better than this person or this person's worse than me. What it is is it's, is it's people of light wallowing with people in darkness. But so many times we think, well, you know what, if I, if I hang around with them enough, I'm not saying we don't hang around with them because we've got to be there to be a witness, but we think if I hang around with them enough, if I make them my focal point, I'll lift them up. But folks, nine times out of ten, what happens? They wind up dragging us down. I have seen time after time after time since I've been in the ministry, mainly with ladies. I've seen it one time with a man, but mainly with ladies. Well, I know he's not a Christian. I know he's not a Christian, but I love him. And if I hang around him long enough, let me qualify this by saying, if you're married to a non-Christian, that doesn't mean you go home today and say, I'm filing for divorce. Because the Bible says, once you're married, you're married. And who knows that maybe your, I'm going to paraphrase here, your light shining isn't going to win that one over to Jesus Christ. But I've seen time and time and time again, oh, I love him, and, 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 and I know I can change him. 
And guess what? Nine times out of ten, it doesn't happen. And the way some of these ladies explained it to me is, well, you know what? When we were dating, he would come to church with me. And he says, oh, baby, 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 when we get married, I'm still going to come to church with you. Well, they get married, and maybe that lasts for a few weeks. And then it's, oh, honey, you know what? You go on to church. I don't feel like it today. I'm kind of tired, or I've got this or that or the other i got to do. And then after a period of time, instead of, it, oh, well, sweetie, you go. I don't mind you going. You go, but I'm tired. It goes from that to, you know what? We could spend a whole lot more time together if you didn't have to go to that church every Sunday morning. And sooner or later, what happens is that young lady, and in the one case, that, that one young man who were sold out and on fire for Jesus Christ, the, the, the fire gets doused because of the association they have with darkness. Well, well, Pastor, are you judging people? No, I'm just stating it like it is. The Bible says we're not to be unequally yoked, but that's a whole different message. But nine times out of ten, instead of us lifting people up, they wind up pulling us down. Next, we need to see that we can't not only not fellowship with it, we can't walk in darkness. And I realize all these are kind of intertwining and combining. But Paul here gives a list of things that characterize the lifestyle of people that don't know Jesus Christ. Fornication, that's sex outside of marriage, to be blunt. Doesn't matter whether you're living together and, and oh, we love each other and we're going to get married one day. That doesn't matter. That doesn't jive in God's book. Sex outside of marriage is sin. But fornication and all uncleanness, and they're talking about sexual immorality here, or covetousness, he says, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. In other words, it shouldn't be named among or, or said about anybody that claims to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then he goes on to say, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, that, that's, that's cussing, using profanity, telling dirty jokes. Again, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous person who is an idolater. Why does he say that a covetous person is an idolater? A covetous person is somebody that wants something, and he wants it really bad. And he wants it to the point that his want overpowers his desire for God. Anything we put before our relationship to God is covetousness. It's idolatry. We're setting that thing above our relationship with God but it says no fornicator unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater let me throw in there no, co no covetous man or woman it's not a matter of being sexist sin is sin who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God Paul gives the list and he says it shouldn't be named among us. And he said, and again, it's not just sexual immorality or covetousness. It's all these other things. It's the coarse talking. It's, it's the cussing. Well, you know, that, well, I, I'm a Christian, but I still cuss like a sailor. Well, you know what? You, if, if you're truly saved, God's going to start cleaning that up. I'm a Christian, but there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody if I, if I go to this website and I look at these things I shouldn't be looking at. Yeah, yes, number one, it's sin because God says it's sin. Well, well, preacher, I haven't done anything. I've not committed the act. Well, you know what? Jesus said you don't have to commit the act. It's just the thought. Jesus in the gospel said it's written that if you commit uh, adultery with a woman, you're, 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 you're guilty of murder or, or you should be murdered. You should be stoned. 
and of course, again, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, it's the same as committing the act. So yes, if you are looking at, 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 at websites like that or videos like that or magazines like that, yes, you're committing sin because you can't tell me that you look at images like that, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, and think, man, what if I had somebody like that? And to me, it's doubly bad if you're married because in your mind, whether you realize it or not, you're comparing your spouse to the person that you see on that video or on that website or on that DVD. And I tell you what, the stuff you see there is in no way, shape, or form real life. We've got young ladies today that are, (laughs) number one, they're doing stupid things like, sexting today and it's not just young ladies but it's young men too but young ladies catch the brunt of it sending pictures of themselves to their boyfriends because they think hey he loves me and the next thing you know it's all over the website we we've got young ladies that because of people like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian and these quote-unquote sex tapes are allowing themselves to be videotaped because they think man if mine gets published it gets publicized like theirs did I'm gonna be a big star like they are And it leads them to nothing but heartbreak. But that's what society is teaching today. And God's word says it's not even to be listed among us. But what I was getting at is we've got young ladies that are doing stuff like that. We've got young ladies that are starving themselves because videos like that or pictures of models or pictures of movie stars. Uh, You know, if you're not as skinny as this person is then there's something wrong with you. You're, you're, not, you're not a woman. If you don't have that stick figure, if you don't conform to, to what the Victoria's Secret catalog looks like or what to the, to, to, to the women on the front of Cosmopolitan or, or to what the movie stars look like, if you don't conform to that, then there's something wrong with you. Because the world's trying to tell you you need to conform to this image because this is the image you need to be recreated in as opposed to you were, you were created in the image of God who loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not to demean yourself or exploit yourself or, or to, to give yourself a way to be used for, for somebody's gratification just so you can have meaning in your life. Because God says, I can give you meaning. Paul says if these things are characteristics in our lives. And I just want to touch on one other thing. You know, that that movie, The Hunger Games. I could not believe the amount of grief that young lady, and I think she's an attractive young lady. I can't remember her name. But I could not believe the grief she caught in the press because they said she looked like she was overweight. If If that's overweight, I'd take it any day of the week. You know, if, 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 if I was a, a young lady, because she looked like a healthy young lady. But yet she didn't have that little stick figure. Again, it's buying into what the world says. And where are you going to get your worth from? But we need to tie it all back in. We need to see that if these things are characteristics of our lives, in other words, that's, that, that's where our thoughts go all the time. That's the way we live our lives day in and day out. Then we don't know Jesus Christ. Verse 5, for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And if we say, hey, I'm doing these things now, 
and nothing's happened, or more specifically, hey, I'm doing this stuff now, and one day I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit, and when I quit, I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. There's two things you need to see that you're mistaken about today. Number one is the fact, okay, clear up. Number one is the fact that you can't take advantage of God's grace. You can't continually sin, continually, habitually commit the same sin and say I'm saved or commit continually and habitually and, and, and commit the same sin and say, well, God's forgiven it. You can't take advantage of God's grace and number two ties into it. Well, pastor, one of these days I'm going to quit. And I'm going to ask God for forgiveness then. How can you get forgiveness for something you weren't sorry for doing to begin with? Because let me tell you something. If you're doing it now and you say, well, it's okay. We, we love each other. Or it's okay because I'm not hurting anybody. And one of these days I'm going to quit. And when I quit, then I'll ask God for forgiveness. Where's the repentance in that? Yeah, we may, we, we may be confessing it. God, I did this and I shouldn't do it. Forgive me. But the Bible says that without repentance, there can't be any forgiveness. It's not enough to, to forgive it. That's like somebody who comes to the altar every week and, and, and says, God, forgive me for cheating on my wife. And they, go, they leave knowing they're going to do the exact same thing. How can you be forgiven for something you're not sorry for, for something you're not repentant of? So we can't continually commit the same sin over and over and over and say, oh, when I get tired of doing it or when I decide to change my lifestyle, I'll ask God to forgive me and He'll forgive me for it. There's no forgiveness if there's no sorrow and if there's no repentance. And we have a, 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 a generation. And when I say generation, I mean from, from puberty up to 85 years old or however old till the parts quit working, if you'll pardon me being blunt, that, oh, I can do whatever I want to whenever I want to, and when I give it up when I want to, God's going to forgive me of it. There's no forgiveness if there's no sorrow or repentance. Well, well Pastor, God's Word says that He's going to forgive me. Yeah, but it comes back to the same thing. You've got to be sorry for it. If you're not willing to give it up now, knowing that it's sinful, just stopping doesn't mean that you're sorry again and that forgiveness is going to be forgiven. We can't be deceived by the darkness. We can't have fellowship with the darkness. We can't walk in the darkness and be imitators of God. But in conclusion, to, to, to be imitators of God, we read that we must walk in the light we must love, we must walk in love and walk in the life. Verse 2 and verse 8. Verse 2. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, and offering in a sweet sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And in verse 8, for you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice here, he doesn't say you once walked in the darkness. Or, but you are now the light. When we were in darkness, we weren't just walking in the darkness, we were part of it. Before we came to new Christ, we were part of the darkness. We were dead in our sins. We were darkness. When we came to know Jesus Christ, 
We not only came to walk in the light, we are now the light. Why are we the light, preacher? We're the light because the Bible, my Bible tells me that when I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus, my, my Bible tells me that God, that Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. Jesus is the light. The light now lives inside of me. Therefore, I am not just in the light. I am the light. We're called to walk in the light. Jesus said that people will know that we're his disciples by the love that we have for one another. 1 Corinthians tells us, and I touched on this earlier in, in, my, in my, my prayer, I think it was, that love is the only thing that's going to last. 1 Corinthians 13, we read that, it's that great love passage. But the Bible tells us that one day there's not going to be any need for faith, not going to be any need for hope. We'll, we'll pastorize that because our faith is going to be made sight. Our hope is going to be made real. We won't, we, we're going to see Jesus face to face one day in heaven. There'll be no more need for faith. There'll be no more need for hope. But there's always going to be love. That's why Paul wrote in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that love will remain. We're called to walk in light. We're called to walk in love. That's how we become imitators of God. Now the question is this morning, are we walking in light? Is our light piercing the darkness? Or are we darkness if we don't know Jesus? Or are we allowing our light to be darkened when we wallow in sin with the darkness? You might be here this morning thinking, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm everything you say I am. I'm every, I, I lie, I cheat, I steal, I, look at th I do things I shouldn't be doing. You know, I've been doing it so long. How in the world could God ever forgive me? I want you to know this morning that the cross tells us that he already has. It's just a matter of turning from your sin, forsaking your sin, and turning to Jesus. God's already forgiven your sin. It's just a matter of you accepting it. You might be here this morning and, well, Pastor, I'm a Christian, and I'm like Paul. Paul says the things that I don't, that I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing all the time, and the good things, the godly things, the light things that, that I want to do, those are the things that I find myself not doing. What, what do I do? How can God forgive me of that? I'm honestly trying with all of my heart, soul, and mind, but, but I'm losing the battle. How could God forgive somebody like that? How could He forgive me again and again and again and again? How can He not get tired of me and say, I'm tired of you, depart from me? Again, it comes back to the cross. He already has forgiven you. It's just a matter of turning from our sin and turning to Jesus and, and claiming 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, and keep in mind, part of confession is repentance. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God wants us to walk in the light of His love. And that light and that love never I know I'm going, to be, I'm going to mess up with the grammar here. Never showed 
more brightly, never showed more intensely than it did at Calvary. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the darkness and you don't know Jesus, you can come to the light if you come to the cross. If you're here today and you're a Christian and you're like, preacher, you've been talking to me today. There's still forgiveness if you come back to the cross. There's still forgiveness if you come back to the cross. The question is this morning, are we willing to come to the cross and lay our sins down and turn away from it? Because that's the only way that we can be imitators of God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. My invitation is going to be twofold today. First of all, I want to pray for, for those of us that are believers, those of us that have, that have turned from a lifestyle of sin and turned to Jesus. But sometimes we, we find ourselves falling back and sometimes we get into a rut. And we can't break out of it. I want to pray for, for you, for us today, that it, that might be us. That God would give us the strength to turn. That God would give us the peace of knowing that even though we've messed up again and again and again, we can still turn back to Him because as, as our Heavenly Father, He loves us. And then there could be some of you here today that are, Pastor, I, I know I'm not saved. I know I'm not a Christian. And I believe today is the day that God's calling me to salvation. I want to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer to help you on that path. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now first and foremost for believers in Christ, Lord, for brothers and sisters in the faith. Lord, I know that sometimes we stumble and fall. And Lord, sometimes when we stumble and fall, we don't pick ourselves back up. We, it's, it just seems like we get, we get just, just stuck in the mud and, and in the mire and, and in the pit and, and we can't get ourselves out. Father, part of the reason we can't get ourselves out is because we can't do it on our own. And another part is because while we're down there, while we're down there in the pit, we hear Satan calling to us. Saying things to us like, you're, you're nothing but a hypocrite. You're not really saved. You're not really born again. And, and, and even if you are, how could God love you now? You gave your life to Him once, and look at what you're doing. How could He possibly forgive you because you're doing this again and again and again? Father, I pray this morning that you open hearts and souls and minds, number one, to call Satan what he is, and that is a liar and a deceiver. And Lord, secondly, to look to you and ask you, Father God, do in my life what I can't do on my own. Father, I don't want to be enslaved to this pornography. I don't want to be enslaved to this adultery. I don't want to be enslaved to this fornication. I don't want to be enslaved to this gossip. I don't want to be enslaved to this alcohol. I don't want to be enslaved to these drugs. But Father, I can't get away from it myself. And in, Father, I'm praying, I'm asking in your grace and in your love and in your mercy, help me do in my life what I can't do in my own. And Father, show them that if they 
turn to you and are honest and sincere about that, you will make a way. It might be supernaturally and instantaneously, or Lord, it might be through a group of people that are going to love them and encourage them and help them. Lord, it might be through counseling. Whatever way you choose, Father, let them know that there's a way. And Father, for those that might be here today and they believe in you, they believe everything the Bible says about you and about Jesus. They believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to have a relationship with you. But they've never followed through on that. And and on top of that, they feel like with the lifestyles they've been living that there's no possible way you could ever love them. Father, again, help them to see that for the lie that it is. That lie that Satan wants to keep putting in their mind and Lord just pushing it forward day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. Help them to realize that you love them, that you love them. And you've already dealt with that sin on the cross. That they just need to be willing today to turn from their sin and to turn to you. And Father, if there's anybody here this morning that wants to do that, I pray that they would just say this prayer with me. Keeping in mind that the prayer isn't what saves you. The prayer is the the tool we use to speak our heart to you. Father, if there's anybody here today that would give their life to Christ, I pray they'd pray this. Heavenly Father, I realize this morning that I'm a sinner. That means I've done things to disobey you with my thoughts, my words, my actions. And God, I'm tired of that. I don't want to live like this anymore, but Father, I know I can't change on my own. And so right here and right now, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. I ask Him to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me of my sins and to become my Lord and Savior. And I promise to live for Him and love Him the rest of my life. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this gift. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, as we prepare for this invitation, I pray that anybody that said that prayer, that you give them the courage to come forward and just share with me that they've given their life to you today. Father, whatever the need is, whether it's the salvation, rededication, somebody wanting to get baptized, somebody wanting to become part of the church family, whatever the need is, I pray that you give people the courage to act on what you've told them. We'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for what takes place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.